The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. It's also an extension of the the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 14 years and complements the work I get to do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a second, but let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation, dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation, with me is Jeremy C. Park, who is a corporate executive and philanthropist, author of two books and a weekly newspaper column, a contributor to Forbes, producer and host of television and radio shows and a podcast, and a sought-after speaker for transforming organizations and individuals into catalysts for their community. Jeremy is president of City Current, a privately funded philanthropic organization. He is the author of Giving Back with Purpose and Giving for Growth, and the author of the weekly Giving Back column. He produces and hosts a weekly radio show on iHeartMedia's news radio 600 WREC, a monthly television show called The Spark, and an annual televised award show called The Spark Awards. He also hosts the television show A Conversation With and the Changemakers podcast. Today, we'll talk about how corporate philanthropy can be a good way to engage employees, and strengthen communities. Jeremy joins us today from Memphis, Tennessee. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it, especially with that introduction. That's a mouthful, so I appreciate right? it. <laughs> right. And, and that's going to be the first question I have for you, and that is, where in the world do you find all the energy to do all this stuff? It's called a lot of coffee. Wake <laughs> up early, drink a lot of coffee, get up and go. No, I mean, I think it's one of those where you hear, and it's, it's a little cliche, but... Um, you know, if you love what you do, it's not considered work. And for me, um, everything that you talked about, it's really geared around helping other people, giving back, making a difference. Um, and I think, in, in, especially on the media side, it's also focused on sharing positive stories. So literally every single day I'm seeing the good that's taking place right here in the Mid-South and, and really all around our nation. And so for me, um, you know, when you love what you do and you get to be around people doing great things and giving back and sharing positive stories, the day tends to fly by at light speed, but um, it just makes it fun. So just uh, coffee and fun and sharing positive stories and helping people out. That's what gets me through the day. Well, I can I get the battery effect, Jeremy, like, you know, a car regenerating its battery once you get the ignition going and, and the, the, the motor's turning. I totally get that. But just how early are we talking about here, getting up in the morning? <laughs> Actually, ironically, um, I, I'm more of a night owl, so I tend to stay. My, my wife works in education, and so she wakes up even earlier than I do. She's usually up by 5 o'clock in the morning, and she's heading off and, and doing great things in education. And then I get up usually a little bit later um, and, and try to get the day started. But I'll stay up a lot later than she will, so usually she'll go to bed by 10 o'clock. And uh, after she's in bed and the kids are in bed, we have two uh, we have an 8-year-old and a 13-year-old, so 8th grader and a 2nd grader. And by the time they're all knocked out, that's when I tend to start the day again and just kind of plug away answering emails and doing whatever else needs to be done to end the day. Burning the okay, well, all ends, that's, that's the effectiveness. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's it, it's really impressive, and I, I do want to I want to get into the two books because one of the things I totally get that you're talking about here, Jeremy, is this notion of being fueled by all this positive energy that you're being around, and I'm very curious to know you know, really where your passion about benefiting the community really came from. And I think you address this in both of your books, Giving Back with Purpose and Giving for Growth. And I know that you focus on achieving success in your career while giving back to your community. So I guess maybe I'd like to understand where did the where this passion come from? Sure. So I grew up actually in uh, Weatherford, Texas. So right outside of Dallas, yep. Fort Worth, me and my schools were Baylor and North Texas. But um, I grew up in a family that had an open-door policy, and we were heavily involved in the Boy Scouts. My brother's an Eagle Scout, now proudly serving our country as a U.S. Marine. Um, but when you look at it, we had people – my dad actually worked in the insurance business. My mom was a teacher. And um, we had people over at our house from 2 p.m., 2 a.m., all hours of the day and night. didn't matter. And these were people that were going through a struggle. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe they lost their job, just going through a difficult time and just needed advice, needed somebody to lean on. And so my parents would welcome them into the house and they would sit down with them and talk to them. And, you know, 99.9% of the problems that these individuals um, faced had nothing to do with insurance. They had nothing to do with English or whatever my mom, you know, was teaching in terms of school. But um, they just needed a helping hand. They needed help. They needed support. And what my brother and I saw is, one, just the power of an open door, the power of helping people, um, and how important that was. But it seemed like the more people my parents helped, the more amazing things happened to our family. And um, we had a chance to to work with George W. Bush back when he was governor um, and, and meet a lot of influential people, and it was simply because my dad was there and my mom was there to just help people. And I, I tell the story, but... Um, I'll give you a short version of it. My brother, who, you know, he's always wanted to be a U.S. Marine, always wanted to serve in the military. He had LASIK surgery um, that was approved in Texas, gets out to uh, Camp Pendleton and out in San Diego, and they're going through the, the military training. And um, he tells them that he had LASIK surgery, and they're like, look, it's not approved federally, so we're going to have to kick you out of the Marines. And so my parents got them to, to give him 48 hours. And so in 48 hours, my parents are calling all of these favors, calling anybody they can think of, get to basically somebody serving in Congress um, on the House Appropriations Committee. They get a four-star general out of vacation to approve my brother um, to go ahead and stay in is somewhat of a guinea pig. So we get out to the graduation, and the commandant is you know, expecting some celebrity, because who is this that could pull out uh, a four-star general out of vacation to give my brother approval to stay in the Marines? And he was expecting, I don't, I don't know, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, pick a celebrity, and, you know, and in walks my parents. And, uh, and they're just normal, everyday people. And he's like, oh, my gosh, how did you do this? And my dad simply said, I help people. And when I need help, these people can help me in return. And, and that's really, in a nutshell, is seeing that power of just you know, helping people and being genuine, um, it really paved the way for my whole life. And when I look at every single thing that's happened um, in my career, it was simply a product of putting in the hard work, putting in the dedication, but also, too, doing things from an authentic heart of just being there for all the right reasons, wanting to help people and, and connect them to opportunities. And you know, lo and behold, the more I did that, the more um, the more successful I became, but the more opportunities befell me and my family. Okay, so I hear a few things there. First, the good news for all those parents out there. Wow, we really can impact our children's lives. Yay! Absolutely. <laughs> That's the first thing I heard. The second thing I heard is that this is the water you swim in, right? This is, you couldn't separate it if you tried. It Absolutely. sounds to me and like... I look at my life, I mean, I, I definitely cannot separate my career my passion, my family, everything that we're doing from this job. I mean, they're all intertwined. And, and honestly, I mean, that's the way I've lived my whole life is, um, and I've done some pretty, you know, incredible things. Growing up as a child, I wanted to be in movies and national TV commercials and I had a chance to live out in Los Angeles and do all that. I had a chance to be in a, a band that got signed and travel all over playing music and write songs and sing in front of thousands of people. Had that happen. Had a chance to work with people like Dick Clark and Merv Griffin and, you know, amazing icons in the entertainment industry working on TV shows and radio shows. And, you know, so it's, but all of that happened because I was usually the first person to show up, the last one to leave, and just sat there and said, what can I do to help you? May not, may not have anything to do with what I'm you know, here to actually do, but whatever it is I can help you do, I want us to accomplish more together, and I'm willing to do it and put in the sweat equity and do whatever it takes to get there. And I think that's, 
you know, ultimately, especially when we do a lot with college students, we tell them, you can easily follow your dreams. It's just a matter of how hard are you willing to work, what sacrifices are you willing to make, but what purpose are you going to put first? You know, I was just going to say, Jeremy, that's such a great lesson and message to, for any college student, which I also do tell my college students that I teach here at Southern Methodist University, but anybody out there, it, that's a great message to, to be able to deliver. So thank you for that nice piece of inspiration and reminder. Um, and, and that kind of cues me up to the next thing I want to really understand in the very short time we have together, City Current. What is this all about? And did you start this? And what are you trying to do with City Current? Sure. So it's it's a it's a long story, and I'll give you the uh, kind of the the fifteen second version. <laughs> so okay. It started as an organization called Breakfast Club of America. It was a franchise. It was based out of Florida, and all around the nation, these individuals basically bought their territory rights to start a franchise called the Breakfast Club. So it started in Memphis in 2005, and Lisco and Pitts Insurance, which I'm one of the, the owners of, I'm a VP of communications and technically a member of the LLC with Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance, but uh, Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance bought the uh, title sponsorship. So in other words, they kind of paid to be a title sponsor. So it became here in Memphis the Lipscomb Pitts Breakfast Club. And when it started, it was just host a signature breakfast, bring in a keynote speaker, and it's simple business networking. So passing the business cards, really focused on business development and networking, and that's it. So there was no higher purpose, eight events a year, bring in a guest speaker, and pass those business cards and focus on business networking. So um, I'm, my family and I, we moved to Memphis in 2007, didn't know a single person when we actually moved here. And my wife took the first job she could get, which was teaching biology. Um, so she started all over. She's got her doctorate, and she's, she's the real brains of the family. Um, but she started over, and then I basically took this first job that I could get. I was working with United Stations Radio Networks out in Los Angeles at the time, which is Dick Clark's radio side. And they have a great relationship with Clear Channel Radio. So Clear Channel Radio basically brought me to Memphis. Didn't know anybody, like I said. Started volunteering. Um, just giving back and opening, you know, relationships, saying, hey, I'm here to help. Whatever I can do, especially with marketing, I'm happy to pitch in. And when I was volunteering with the Boy Scouts and some of the other organizations, they said, you've got to meet this guy, Johnny Pitts of Lipscomb Pitts Insurance. So that was right around the time that Breakfast Club of America was dissolving, and we had an opportunity to basically buy it out. And Johnny said, hey, look, I need your help. I know you write bar- uh, business plans and marketing plans. Will you help me write a new business plan and a marketing plan for buying this thing out and turning it into something special. And so he and I sat down over the weekends, and uh, in 2008, basically, that's when we went ahead and bought it out, and that's when he said, hey, Jeremy, you know, you wrote the business plan, now you run this thing. (laughs) It's your plan, now run it, please. And so um, that's really where, you know, kind of the rest is history, but we turned it from the eight events and focus on networking to now, last year, we did 181 free events for the community, all totally free. These are workshops, seminars. We still have the signature breakfast series. We're bringing the guest speakers. Um, So we cover a lot of ground. But more importantly, we turned it philanthropic. And so we've, you know, now, not only with those events kind of focused on the enrichment, now we do volunteer days, we do action projects, we do um, all sorts of give-back events where you're washing kids' feet, giving them new socks and shoes, you're scrubbing graffiti, you're tutoring and mentoring, um, we're buying homes for wounded veterans. I mean, we're doing really amazing things as a privately funded catalyst. And to me, what's really neat is now we've got about 80 partner companies. It's FedEx, it's ServiceMaster, it's AutoZone. It's some of the world's largest employers that are based right here in Memphis, all the way down to a local restaurant. Um, so it's small, medium, and large businesses that basically put money in to underwrite all of these efforts. So it's all the events, it's all the media Everything focused on positives, focused on good, focused on giving back. And so that's really where, um, to me, the pride of, of kind of this Memphis model, where we have now other, other cities around the U.S. and other countries all over the world saying, hey, can you help us turn our chamber, our Rotary Club, our organization into what you're doing there, uh, which really is making a big difference. And so to me, that's kind of the fun of the Memphis model we've created here. But I look at everything I learned in, in Dallas I look at everything I experienced out in Los Angeles and working in cities like New York, and there's a lot of major gaps, and I think every city needs these third-party catalysts that can step into the weeds, work hard, but ultimately do whatever it takes, because the government can't solve all of our problems, but you know what? Together, when you have groups that can break down these big things into small bite-sized pieces, everyone, every individual, every company, every school, every nonprofit, all of us, we can play a role in making our community great. And that's, that's a big part of what we do. 
I am so glad I found you, Jeremy. You are perfect for my show, as you know, and I love what you're doing. I'm a huge fan, and, and I admire so much your energy and your commitment to this. And we're going to talk more in the third segment about really how the organizations, the nonprofits that you work with really win in this deal. But here for this next question, I want to understand, since we were focused on also connecting corporate philanthropy here, how, does, how, do, how do companies win in this deal? When they're involved with you, how do they win? So I look at it, it's a, it's a full circle, it's a holistic approach. And when you look at, you know, getting to know business leaders, because ultimately every business, if they're going to grow, it's about relationships. I mean, we're in the insurance business from what's going to pit side. It's all about relationships. It's about building trust. And two things. One is trust is earned when you're not expecting it. So by going out and volunteering and, you know, people seeing us everywhere when we don't really have to be there, but guess what? We are there. We're there when you need us. We're there when you don't need us just because we want to roll up our sleeves and make a difference. That's really how trust is built is just seeing us, you know, everywhere doing as much good as possible. But the other thing is, is relationships are are people-driven, right? I mean, it's great to have social media, but you need to interact. You need to meet people. And if you ask any business leader, any CEO what's important, Community is always going to be one of the first things. I mean, outside of the success of their family and their business, something involving community is going to be at the top of the list. And so that's where for us, if you're just doing networking, you're not going to get the right prominent people there. But guess what? If your real heart is about giving back and making a difference in your community, all of a sudden, all these executives, people like Fred Smith, the founder and CEO of FedEx, these people are going to show up. And that's where every business, those are the people they're trying to meet, right? They want the decision makers. Well, the decision makers aren't going to show up to a networking event, but they will show up to a community-driven, giving-back, philanthropic event. And that's where, when you look at the businesses that are involved, I mean, there are some making millions of dollars simply because we're helping people left and right, and then just by virtue of their being a part of this philanthropic organization, they're building these amazing relationships that, that turn into new opportunities for their business. And it helps me because I don't have to worry about where's this money going to come from. You know, I have businesses that say, Jeremy, we're good for like 30 years. Here you go. We'll even put more money in so you can do even more good because we're getting more out of it. And so it, it really makes it a lot easier for me where I don't, you know, people ask all the time, well, how can we help? Just show up and give back in this city because we don't need your money. We need your heart. We need your physical engagement. And that's the beauty is that by, by being driven by these businesses who are getting something out of it, we don't have to nickel and dime or charge anyone anything. Um, we can truly just focus on doing everything for the right reasons. Mm, so smart, Jeremy. So smart. Love the conversation. And if you can believe it, it's already time for our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Jeremy C. Park, who is a corporate executive and philanthropist, author of two books and a weekly newspaper column, a contributor to Forbes, a producer and host of television and radio shows and a podcast, and an in-demand speaker on the topic of transforming organizations and individuals into catalysts for their community. He is the author of Giving Back with Purpose and Giving for Growth and president of City Current, a privately funded philanthropic organization comprised of more than 75 businesses. We've been talking about how it is that he how he's developed this love of community service and giving back. After the break, we're going to hear some examples of companies actually in action doing it well. Stay with us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Jeremy C. Park, president of City Current, a privately funded philanthropic organization. He is the author of Giving Back with Purpose and Giving for Growth and the weekly Giving Back column and produces and hosts a weekly radio show called The Spark and an annual televised award show called The Spark Awards. He also hosts the television show A Conversation With and the Changemakers podcast. He joins us today from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before the break, we were talking about where this love and passion and all this energy came from, which which is hopelessly contagious, by the way. Thank you. Um, now I want to get into your perspective on how you see companies really doing this well. So a few questions for around that. But but first, I, I have to be able to share with our with our listeners here some of your work that you're doing. The show that you host called The Spark and the Changemakers podcast, I know both of them are focused on spotlighting good news stories about those leading by example in order to inspire citizens to make a difference. What a great idea. Um, First, I guess I got to ask, where did the idea come from to do this kind of a show? And why, again, this notion of mobilizing citizens? You've said something about it already. We've got that background. But why into a, a television show? Sure. So I travel a lot at this point, and um, you know, everywhere I go, you, you turn on the ten o'clock news, and it's just it's negative after negative after negative. And even down at Disney World, we were there with our family at spring break, and it becomes a little bit of a game to me where I turn on the ten o'clock news everywhere I go. But you know, supposedly the happiest place on earth, ten o'clock news down in Orlando, Florida, and it was the same thing. It was fires, it was murders, it was wrecks, it was everything. I mean, there was maybe one positive story out of a full hour. And so when I look at that, and here in Memphis, it's, it's no different, sadly, is um, most of the 10 o'clock news, most of the media really focuses on sensationalism. It focuses on negatives. And that's not what really takes place, not only here in Memphis, but all around our nation. On every given day, there's amazing individuals and organizations who are out there giving back, volunteering, making a difference. And the sky is, is bright blue. It's not dark and raining. And so for us, um, I mean, I can't tell you how many positive stories we tried to pitch. And there was one in particular, I'm not going to go into it because it was uh, kind of a long story to explain, but it was an amazing story of this business going in in a dark time in a family's life and you know totally for free they did an amazing job of fixing up this home and we pitched it to all the media and they're all like oh it's an evergreen story we'll get around to sharing it at some point and all of a sudden a month went by and two months went by and i said you know what if no one's going to do it we're just going to do it ourselves and so that's really where kind of the impetus became um on our end important is to say you know what if, if no one else is going to run with all these positive stories, we're just going to do it ourselves. And luckily, my background was in media. So, you know, it started with a, a weekly column. That led to a radio show. Then all of a sudden we said, you know what, we're doing it on the radio. Let's put some visuals. Let's, let's do TV with this. And uh, PBS, it's a WKNO affiliate here, PBS affiliate here in Memphis, uh, we teamed up with them. And, and that's where the TV show, now four years later, um, we've been doing this TV show called The Spark, and a conversation with this kind of a longer form is focused on one individual, whereas The Spark is usually three guests. Um, and then The Spark Awards is 13 different categories, public nominated, and um, we get to highlight amazing stories of individuals and organizations who are making a difference. And so all around, and we hire freelance journalists, we have the podcast, as you explained. I mean, it goes on, it's its own little media empire, all focused on good. But 100% of it is focused on, you know, sharing those leading by example, but more importantly, sharing the lessons they're learning. And I think that's where it's important to look at what we're doing is we're using Memphis as the lens, but all of this is stuff that you can use in Dallas, you can use it in L.A., you can use it in New York, because we're very intently focused on not just sharing what they're doing, but the lessons they're learned, the model they're, they're, they're using, so that you can use this wherever you are. Because you know, traveling to these other cities, you see really fast, we're all, we're all facing a lot of the same issues. We're, focused, or we're facing poverty, education issues, crime, workforce development, job creation. I mean, these are all things that all of these cities, small, medium, and large, are facing, and that's where I feel like it's really important for us to not only share the positives to engage and to motivate and inspire, but also share the lessons learned so that you can do the same wherever you live. Mm, I like it, Jeremy. I like it. I'm so enrolled. I'm so there. Um, one of the things I wanted to be sure and share with our listeners that you and I spoke about when we talked on the phone is you talked about this idea of systematic giving by corporations. So first, for anybody who's never heard that phrase, what does it mean? And then second, any examples you can share with us? 
Sure. So, uh, you know, where the Forbes column kicks in, you mentioned Forbes. Um, I do a lot on national trends and corporate philanthropy, talking a lot about just what's going on. And there are some big ones. I mean, there's, you know, social impact is now mandatory where we as consumers, we want to see companies engaged, physically engaged because of social media. We expect them to, you know, to see the, their team out volunteering. We want to see them on Facebook giving back. And we're going to make our purchasing decisions based on this higher purpose, their, their philanthropy. And, you know, it used to be about cutting a check at the end of the year, there wasn't really an expectation of being physically engaged. Well, now, you know, we want to see the heart. We want to see companies engaged. And so systematic giving is, is one of the other big trends. It really started with the one-for-one model that was uh, made famous by Tom's, Tom's Shoes and Warby Parker. And um, here local, we have Agape North. We have uh, quite a few companies that have this one-for-one. So in other words, um, you buy a, a product primarily, but it could be a service. And for every product you buy, a pair of shoes, eyeglasses, a shirt, um, there's a benefit for an organization in need. So buy a pair of shoes, and a pair of shoes is given to a child in need. So that's where it kind of started. But, but where the big game changer is, is that um, it, it becomes systematic, transactional. And so typically when you talk about corporate philanthropy, it was wait until the end of the year. If we had a good year, then we would donate X amount of money to a nonprofit. Well, back in 2008, when the economy started to tank, guess what? No money left at the end of the year, no money left to give. So all these nonprofits that were expecting these big checks from companies to be able to you know, help underwrite their, their costs, their efforts, their operational um, programs, all of a sudden they got nothing. And that's when you started to see a lot of nonprofits face a, a really big issue. And so what you realize really fast is that model is not sustainable. Waiting until the end of the year to see what you have left is not sustainable at all um, from, a, from a giving back standpoint. And so that's where the one-for-one model, when you look at it, the idea that every single transaction, every shoe you buy, every eyeglass, every shirt, there's an automatic gift to an organization in need or a child in need or a family in need. And that's kind of the idea is how do you find the ability to literally give something with every single move you make? And so what most companies are doing now is, um, is one of two things. They donate usually a percentage. So it might be a, a 10% of every new sale, 10% of every sale. Uh, I've seen some that go 20%. Some use 9%. So, I mean, they, they become very specific. But literally, of every single transaction, that money goes into a charitable coin bank. And that charitable coin bank, you can donate quarterly, you can donate monthly, you can donate yearly. But the point is, is that all of a sudden now, the cost of giving back is actually baked into the cost that you're putting out there for the public. Another variation that I've seen some companies do is a roundup. So similar to what you'd see with the banks where, you know, maybe the maybe the cost is $19.81. You take that $0.19, cents and instead of it coming from the consumer, it comes from the business, once again, putting that money into a charitable coin bank. And so, you know, I, I want to think about this in two ways. One is um, it becomes systematic, right? So now all of a sudden you have guaranteed dollars that you can use to give back to nonprofits and to use philanthropically. But here's the other benefit. For all of your employees, you know, employees today, especially millennials, they don't want to work for a company that's basically just fattening the wallet of the owner. They want to work for a company that's actually socially conscious and engaged and allows them to be engaged in their community. And we'll talk about that in greater detail if we have time. But you know, there's a lot of power just with companies in terms of mobilizing their employees as a force uh, for good. But, but here's the thing. If I know that every single transaction that I make, every, every move I make, every call I answer, every email I send out, if I know that a percentage of every single deal, of every single move I make, is going to benefit the community, that's a lot more powerful than not knowing if what I do really matters or impacts my community. And so, once again, the power of systematic giving, of transactional you know, opportunities, it's not just powerful for giving back, it's actually powerful for your own team, and it increases productivity. So I'm wondering here, Jeremy, I just am just thinking about this. I frequently go to Panda Express, and they will, let's say the transaction is $6.79. They'll say, do you want to give another $0.21 cents to whatever cause? Now, so, of course, that would come out of my pocket. Then is Panda Express also matching that? Or are they just providing a vehicle to help? Or how, Do you know anything about that program? See, yeah, and every company's a little different. I don't know about that specific one, but, you know, it's a, that's an interesting line in general because I have people ask, well, what if I give a dollar 
um, you know, extra when they ask me at the checkout line. Does that count to the, the company? Does that count to me? And, it, and that's actually a really interesting gray area, and, and there's a lot of politics in that because some companies do. They'll say, you know, we gave X amount of money to whatever organization, but in, in, in the end, it was really the consumers. It wasn't yeah. the customers. It wasn't necessarily them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we're, we're pretty hardcore on our end about trying to get companies to donate their own money. So in other words, instead of me asking you for money as the consumer, bake that into the cost. You know what? Take a little bit of a hit knowing that you know, the pie is going to actually get bigger because that becomes a very important storyline for you is we're not asking you, the consumer, to donate. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do, and we're doing it out of our own cost, and we're going to bake that in. And so that's where on my end, to me, it's a much more powerful story for companies to say, come eat with us. And a percentage of every single thing, it's not going to come out of your money. It's going to come out of our money because it's the right thing to do. And guess what? Having that storyline, which is much more powerful, actually is going to increase the customer base and the number of people coming in. So once again, you look at it as, oh, I'm not just getting a slice that's bigger. The whole pie becomes bigger. And so you know, a lot of this comes down to marketing and story and becoming you know, your unique, uh, we call it a community calling card. Um, you know, how does the, the, how do you give back to the community, but what, what ultimately does the community know you for your philanthropy for, um, to me, that's what it's about. And so, you know, that's a, that's a little bit of a gray area, but our, our biggest push personally, and we're, you know, I want to see the, the biggest improvement is actually with them using their own funds, because to me, that's what we do. We don't ask other companies, um, you know, if they're not a partner, we don't say, oh, we'll give us more money. We say, no, we're using all of our money. And we're going to do as much good with it as possible, and we're going to try to to do even more and more and more by being efficient and effective. Um, But we're not going to sit there and ask others to, you know, donate a dollar because, to me, I feel like we can do that uh, on our end. And I just think, you know, from individuals, they can donate themselves individually, um, and that's by far the biggest percentage of philanthropy anyway is individual donations. Mm, I see. That was very helpful, Jeremy. Thank, thank you. you. You know so much about this field. This is great to be able to extract this from you. And along those lines, another thing that you said that I want to get more into is you mentioned that some companies are actually setting up nonprofit days. So what's going on there? And maybe do you have an example or so of something where that has gone well? Sure. So um, yeah, that, that's another big trend is people are so busy. Um, time poverty, you can call it whatever, you know, kind of the the buzzword you want to throw on there. But people are busier than ever. And so what happens is nonprofits that can rely on a few people doing a lot of hours of work, now those individuals are so busy they can't. So they're having to find a a lot of people to basically do the same amount of work. And so what you're seeing is even for boards now, there are certain boards that will meet in the morning, some during work hours or during lunch, some after hours, and some on weekends. So imagine now basically having four boards because people are so busy, you've got to catch them where they're at, right? Well, for businesses, because nonprofits rely on volunteerism to do what they do, um, they need people to come in and volunteer. And so companies now have really started to figure out, we can throw money at things, and money is a great resource, but money doesn't physically solve a single problem. So if I put a dollar bill on the table, it doesn't walk, it doesn't talk, it doesn't interact with anybody, it doesn't physically solve a, pr- a single problem. People do. And that's where we need companies to be physically engaged. And companies are starting to see that light bulb go off. We're kind of back you know, to the social impact is now mandatory trend. Um, they're starting to realize that the more we give physically, the, the better our community is, the stronger our community. But by, by and large, consumers see us out giving back, which is a good thing for our business, great for marketing. But also, too, we're building new relationships, we're developing those relationships, and we're also enhancing our own team. Our team is, is cutting their teeth on leadership, on training, on development. It's professional development. So all the way around, there are so many amazing benefits to volunteerism. And so companies are, are you know, they're getting wise to it. So um, they're doing all sorts of, whether it's picking up litter, whether it's um, scrubbing graffiti, whether it's tutoring. And, and one of the easiest examples I can give is it's called a modified work schedule. So companies are allowing their employees from, we'll say, 8.30 to 9.30. We do this here at Lipscomb Pits, and uh, we do it a lot with City Current, is we'll go and we'll go early in the morning and we'll read the kids at a day school. Um, we'll do preschool. We'll play games. We'll interact with them. We'll read to them. We'll do all sorts of fun stuff from 8.30 to 9.30, and then we get to work at 10 o'clock. Or we'll leave the office a little early, so we'll leave at 3.30, 
30 minutes for travel time, we'll go after school and we'll mentor, we'll tutor kids, we'll work on homework, we'll play in the gym with them, we'll do all sorts of uh, stuff, you know, whether it's homework or just activity-based, for an hour from 4 to 5, and then we go home during, you know, what would be our, our normal end of day. So you're not expecting them to do anything outside of their, their normal work day, and yet you're building in this powerful way for them to give back, to build relationships, to fine-tune their skills and their professional development and personal development all at the same time. And for companies, here's the other catch. You can also quantify that. So you know, you can, when you're looking at your giving back, your statement, your impact statement for the end of the year, you know, you can say we had X amount of employees donating this amount of time, and that value, there's a, a certain dollar amount, it's about $22 federally, $23 here in the state of Tennessee, that you can actually equate to the, the value, uh, the, a dollar value for that hour's worth of volunteerism. And so you can say our company gave, you know, the, the benefit of thousands of dollars by our volunteering with our team. So there's, there's so many cool benefits to volunteerism, but companies now are, are really starting to leverage um, the power of getting their teams physically involved for all the right reasons. Mm. I'm going to chime in on that after we do the break, but already it is time for a break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Jeremy C. Park, who is a corporate executive and philanthropist, author of two books and a weekly newspaper column, a contributor to Forbes, producer and host of television and radio shows and a podcast, and an in-demand speaker for the topic of transforming organizations and individuals into catalysts for their community. Mm-hmm. He is the author of Giving Back with Purpose and Giving for Growth mm-hmm. and the president of City Current, a privately funded philanthropic organization. After the break, we're going to hear a bit more about how the what, we, what he's up to and what he's facilitating actually benefits the organizations he serves. Stay with us. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Jeremy C. Park, president of City Current, a privately funded philanthropic organization, and the author of the weekly Giving Back column. He also produces and hosts a weekly radio show called The Spark and an annual televised award show called The Spark Awards. He also hosts the television show A Conversation With and the Changemakers podcast. He joins us today from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So just before the, the break, Jeremy, you were talking about how you, you've seen organizations be able to create a modified work schedule so that maybe in the beginning of the day or the end of the day, their employees are actually out in the community doing something to help the community grow. And the first thing I thought of, too, is what the companies are also really doing is they're giving their employees access to purpose and mission. And for many employees, that is such an important part of their lives, especially as they get a little bit older, or even for the millennials. So do you have any perspective at all or any data at all on how those opportunities help engagement or performance within employee within the organizational employee base? I think it's interesting when you when you look at a lot of the you know the trends, the tips, the research, one that really stands out to me is 44% of millennials are more likely to volunteer if their manager does too. And mm-hmm. and so my point is is that we had a guy he's actually from the the Dallas Worth area that came and talked to us He's with a foundation there that does a lot of research. But his, his point was is that 
Um, when you talk about community service, it used to be something we sat around the dinner table and talked about. Families would uh, showcase it by getting out, serving in the community, and so the kids would see their parents serving. Well, the problem is now we're so busy, you don't have uh, the same nuclear family dynamics. There's a lot of reasons. Well, so the, the impetus really now has shifted to where employees are looking at their businesses and their, their, their uh, employers, the, the companies, to say, hey, I want to get involved, but I have no idea where to start. And I know that I don't want to just come to work from 8 to 5 or 8.30 to 5.30, whatever my hours my, you know, I'm working. I don't want to just sit in the office and work. I want to be engaged. I want a higher purpose. I don't want to have to um, basically you know, do good things from 5.30 and beyond or on the weekends, I wanted to be a part of every sort of, you know, opportunity I have here at the workplace. And so that's where, you know, there's amazing research online and all the stats will, you know, will kind of verify it is the, the more you bring opportunities in, so whether it's executive directors coming in and talking, um, whether it's putting together care packages or food, there's a lot of simple things that you can do in the office that have a higher purpose. And then the more you allow your team to get out and serve, whether it's you know, building a house for Habitat for Humanity or going in with a soup kitchen and volunteering or simply reading to kids and, and working with um, you know, after-school programs and tutoring, whatever it is, allowing them the freedom. And it could be something as simple as once a month for just a few hours or organizations that give them eight hours a year, so only eight hours. And yet, when you look at the return on those eight hours, it comes back the employee morale is higher their satisfaction with the company and their employer is higher. They see more opportunities for themselves um, and, and connecting to their community. They see the good that's going on in the community. So all of a sudden, productivity increases, morale increases. And, and to me, the other side of this is you also, they, they take more pride. They take more pride in their job. They take more pride in their community. And I think all of those things become huge, huge for the company in terms of why they need to simply let loose, let their employees go out and give back. And like I said, it has a windfall effect. You know, I can totally see this. And one of the things you and I talked about when we were on the phone is that, you know, it, on the, there's the company side where, where the, the company and the employees are winning, like you're just describing. And then I think about the other side. I think about a, a nonprofit organization that really needs bodies and help and certainly dollars. And you're going to bring them an army of people to help. And, I mean, that sounds really good to me. Um, and I think about that from the vantage point that I've had doing service here in, in Dallas for Lakewood Service League and the YMCA, et cetera, and mobilizing groups of people to help them. So I guess the next thing I'd want to understand is can you give us, I want to paint maybe an example or a picture in the minds of our listeners of maybe a really great community service project that you've seen pulled off and how, how the organization, the nonprofit, actually won. Sure, and, and I do want to touch on the fact that, you know, we talk about an army of do-gooders, but it can be as simple as three people going out and, you know, working with um, youth. And so it, it doesn't, on our end, for instance, we do it in waves. So we always have to have people backing up here at the office, especially being in the insurance business where you have um, all sorts of things that pop up. So we'll send people out usually in teams of three. And so they'll go out one day in three, and then the next day a new you know, wave will go out. So it doesn't have to be big. It, it just has to be an opportunity that your team can take advantage of. And the, and the leadership has to be behind it because if your CEO and your leaders and your owners um, say, hey, we want you to do this, but then you don't really let them have the opportunity, then it's, it's, it's not as powerful as saying, you know what, we want to serve. We're out there with you going in together. And so things like, I mean, the perfect example to me, is it's called Samaritan's Feet. It's a group that's based out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. They go all around the world. They've done almost 7 million shoes um, to children in need. And we do a lot of it here in the States. I mean, I've done from Florida to Memphis and everything in between. I've served with them, washing kids' feet, giving them new socks and shoes. And they make it extremely easy where you work with local nonprofits to find the kids that are most in need. They come in. You have hundreds of volunteers that show up. You have an adult that washes the feet of a, of a child. You're talking about, you know, what they want to be when they grow up, what's, you know, what their life like, and you build this amazing bond. And then you give them new socks and shoes. And for us, you know, we do one in January, and it's cold, and the kids come in wearing flip-flops. And the next thing you know, you're building these amazing relationships. And we've had some that want to be police officers, and the person that was, you know, washing their feet is, 
owns self security and so next thing you know they're taking him in and doing the explorer program with the sheriffs out of their own dime and even picking him up from uh, home to be able to take him i mean that's the kind of relationships that get built but it's simply by serving each other and being servant leaders and opening up your hearts and opening up these doors um, and the kids come out beaming and, and the adults get just as much out of it as the kids do and i think that's the power of service, but also when you look around, you're building relationships with the other people that are serving. And these are powerful people in the community literally rolling up their sleeves together. And uh, the other example I'll give you is, is Yuletide Office Solutions. It's a local office supply company. And they're perfect on the trifecta. Uh, their CEO, he makes it a, a deal to give 9% of their profits every year to local nonprofits. So he's, he sets it right off the top. We're giving 9% at least. He makes it a part of every employee's um, job description and also their uh, yearly review that they have to serve at least two nonprofits in the city. And Mm. then he takes it a step further. He donates his trucks. He donates his time. He donates anything and everything to – they'll have their delivery trucks go and drop off big uh, bins around offices to fill it up with toys and food. Their drivers will go pick it up. They'll do – they'll use their trucks to pick up on bike rides, you know, uh, people that uh, need a lift. I mean, they do – they use their – they use their assets, their equipment, their people, their money, everything – to give back. And so that's another big thing is for those that, you know, work at a business, it's not, like I said, it's not just about the money and it's not even just about the people. It's what are the things do you have access to? Maybe it's a conference room, maybe it's uh, video equipment, maybe it's, um, you know, whatever it is, vehicles that you can donate to nonprofits to be able to, once again, have a higher purpose to give back. I love that, right? Leveraging spheres of influence, whatever it is that you have at your disposal. That makes so much sense to me, Jeremy. I totally get that. Uh, One other thing that I want to hear you say a little bit more about, and I love the idea. I've never heard anybody do what you just said before in in the last segment where you monetize the impact of giving. And you said that it was worth about $22 an hour, $23 an hour there in Memphis. $22.55. To be exact. Okay, fantastic. So the question is, two questions are, so can can organizations deduct that as a, a, you know, something on their tax return? So... That's a good question, and I'm, I'm not really a CPA, so I don't want to necessarily throw that out there too much, but um, I, I do know that, well, there's two benefits. One is, um, I mean, I'm sure you can write that off somehow, some way. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's obviously uh, CPAs that are very intelligent that would better answer that, but I'm sure there's a way you can quantify that from a, from a I don't know, a tax deduction or whatever it is. I mean, there's, there's got to be some loophole or something. But to me, that's not where the real power is. The real power is from a story standpoint. I mean, you see companies yeah. all the time saying that our employees, you know, gave the value of, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars out there doing good in the, in the community. So, I mean, the marketing piece alone is invaluable in terms of quantifying your impact of the volunteerism. The other thing is, is there's a lot of nonprofits that can actually take those. Here, Porter Leaf is a great example. They have matching grants and foundations that'll say, when your volunteers come in, they'll match that $22.55. And I think here in Tennessee, like I said, it's $23.06 maybe, but it's a little higher than the $22.55. They'll actually match those volunteer hours and the quantifiable number with real dollars. And so that's, to me, you know, extremely powerful because now, you know, you're volunteering, you're giving back for all the right reasons, but now these nonprofits can actually translate those into hard dollars from these foundations. Okay, that's brilliant. And that I'll is let, absolutely brilliant. That was the other, the other question. <laughs> that was the other side that I wanted to ask is what, what, how does it actually translate for the, the nonprofit organization? How do they use that number? Okay. Okay. Well, and, and that's where, um, yeah, I mean, for nonprofits, I mean, they, they need the physical help, but also, too, it's, it is really powerful for them to be able to say, you know, these are the companies that are partnering with us. This is the value of what they're bringing to the table, and then we can go and quantify that and get those dollars, hard dollars, from uh, foundations. Okay, great. Um, well, we're already close to the very end of the show here, Jeremy. I've got one last question I want to try to sneak in before we go, and if I can give you maybe two minutes to answer it. Um, sure. I like to be able to leave my listeners with something practical, something they can walk away with to be able to use when they hear the show. So can you share with us something that individuals and companies can do today to weave into their normal routine to really start this idea of strengthening their communities? We always say think big, start small, act now. And I think the way I look at this is, I mean, I, I kind of broke it down when I was in college. I, I just took three daily steps. So I, I, and I still to this day don't go to sleep until I've done three things 
that move us forward, move our organization, move our city, whatever it is forward. And that's not just answering emails. I mean, that's literally something new that's a step forward to be able to improve your community. And I think that's where most organizations, they, they want to go really big, right? I mean, they, they want to go and make this a huge thing. When in reality, kind of going back to what I said before, is it could be three people from your team that just go out there on a regular basis and start volunteering, start mentoring kids. So thinking about it from a, you know, yes, we want to do this, adding purpose, and then that's where I would actually start with everything, whether you're an individual or a company, is what is your purpose? Beyond the goods and products you serve, what's your real purpose? What, what defines you in terms of your engagement with the community? So define your purpose, and then start thinking big in terms of the impact you want to make, but ultimately start small and act now. You, you'll never have it perfect. You'll never, you know, you can sit there and plan and plan and plan, and you'll never have it perfect, but just starting to act now, um, you'll start to see results but all the right things will start falling into place. So that would be my advice is think big, start small, act now, but first things first, define your purpose and and let that start leading the way. Jeremy, we have extracted so much amazing experience, um, inspiration, motivation, charm, wit from you this, this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been amazing to have you with us. Well, I appreciate it and love the show as well. So thank you for all you do. Yeah, purpose is something that I think we're both heavily aligned on. And I think that last tip you gave us about don't you don't go to bed until you've done these at least three things too. And I actually made a note of this to further advance whatever your mission is. I think that is a brilliant way to finish the show. If you want to learn more about Jeremy C. Park and City Current, visit the website citycurrent.com. What an incredible inspiration and motivation, wealth of knowledge that we've gotten from him today. Thank you so much, Jeremy, again for joining us. Next week we'll be on the air with Karen Kaufman and talking about impression management and the link between impressions, business relationships, and performance. See you then. Remember, work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, Find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.